Hello, hello everyone, and welcome to the most aimless podcast in the world, House of Games. Today, I'm joined by my fellow puller, Otto, and lo and behold, his fellow co-host has joined his this week again, Rune. But before we load our guns, let's enter this week's episode of House of Games. Welcome to House of Games, and I guess welcome back to House of Games for you, Rune. So uh, it's really good to to have you back. Thank you, thank you. I I was on holiday last week. Nice, very nice. I hope you uh, enjoyed yourself and feel uh, entirely replenished. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> nice. Uh, all right. So today's theme is shooting yourself in the foot. So, uh, first of all, uh, for those who don't know, Rune, would you like to give an explanation of what that might mean? Oh, thanks. Again, uh, we talked about this before we started <laughs> this episode, and you <laughs> wrote to me what it meant, and now I pulled down that window. So, yeah, shooting yourself in the foot, that's, uh, you know, that's when you play games and you sort of... You, you make the game less fun for yourself by doing certain things. For example, if you're obsessing over trophies, something I'm well aware of, you can ruin the game experience by yourself. So that's the kind of uh, stuff we're going to talk about. Or do you think uh, there is more to say regarding shooting yourself in the foot, what it actually means? Yeah, exactly. That was uh, basically what I thought as well. So something like where you sort of ruin your own fun basically for usually a good intention but it, it you end up like uh, having less fun or quitting the game completely just mm. uh, for some reason so that could be like for example your Gwent story with the the Witcher Forest like the, the perfect example I think mm. yeah yeah that's a really weird one because I did truly enjoy the Gwent part of the game but it just ruined <laughs> the rest of the game I suppose so much so that yeah. I I believe I even played the Gwent game on tablets. I believe it came to... I mean, they did like a standalone for Gwent only. Or if I picked up another game, I can't remember now. But And I am obsessed in those kinds of card games I mentioned in that podcast too, in that episode. Final Fantasy 8 and 9, you have a card game system in those games too, which is uh, distract you from the main story. But yeah, sometimes it's a good thing, but it can definitely be a bad thing too. Do you have any uh, examples yeah. of uh, how you have shot yourself in the foot, Otto? Yeah, so I think usually it's like the, like with uh, open world games and perfectionism. Mm. Um, and I think like the way I want to do it usually is like there's two two versions of this. So either it's that I play, for example, Skyrim or something like that or uh, like Assassin's Creed, and then you want to do all of the side quests and all of the collectibles and everything before you do the main quest. So then you do all of that stuff, and then you do the main quest, and then game is over, basically. Mm. Uh, But sometimes there's too much stuff, like side stuff, that is not really that much fun. I've done this in Assassin's Creed, for example, that there's so many collectibles and side quests and you know meaningless stuff that eventually you just 
lose track of the whole like experience and then mm. just quit playing it before you even started the main quest basically mm. so so that's one variant but i would say also like the other way is that you do the main quest first but then you sort of you have completed the game so you don't really don't feel that there's anything in the reason to keep doing the side quests or anything so then you just quit it early and you just lose out on like 90 percent of the gameplay mm. sometimes yeah i we talk often about well yeah, open world and all that stuff. And I am just not a big fan of them because I got so burned out after playing San Andreas on PlayStation 3 or was yeah. it PlayStation 2 even. So that sort of broke me. But uh, <laughs> but not for this these sort of side quest stuff reasons. Uh, however, I, I, I just feel it's overwhelming to play open world games. And I agree with this side quest stuff that is completely pointless. It's just to tick boxes. It's um, I think it's bad game design and it's just not fun and it doesn't add anything to to the game. And the worst part is when you just have to run like forever to get to a place just to collect something and then you go to the next one. And and you most likely you always have to go online and find like a tutorial or a, a, a walkthrough where these things are. For example, in Grand Theft Auto 4, I believe, you can shoot down these pigeons uh, that were all over New York. So you just ended up... I mean, it would be... I, I can't imagine how much you would have to play in order to kill them all by yourself without looking up on a, you know, on a, a walkthrough. Yeah. Which, in my, from my point of view, then makes it completely pointless to have those there. Uh for what reason apart from getting yeah. the trophy but you know you will never get the trophy unless you go online and try to oh, figure out where they are and then the worst yeah. part is even when those types of collectibles are a thing in a game is that what what, what makes it even more worse is when or worse is that when it tells you where they are but there's no system in your game that tells you which one you had done in that case killing the pigeons i can't remember if that was the case in Grand Theft Auto 4, but in Knife Boy, my game, I had that system where you collect these uh, uh, comic books all over the game and then I uploaded this was the first Steam version and I got some feedback, like people got annoyed, like well, I don't know which one I picked up or not because I added this kiosk so you could sort of get hints where they are because I really don't want you to just go online and try to figure it out even though in hindsight that's actually better for the developer's point of view because then you get more traffic and stuff like that when people search your game in Google like you know how the algorithms and all that works yeah but I I added this kiosk in the game so you go to him and he will you pay him and he give you hints but then I had no systems to, to sort of check which one you had picked up or not so that was like an update I had to do later on to make that. And now I think it's, it's perfect the way it is now. You pick them, you find them whenever you find them, and then whichever you couldn't find, you can go to him later in the game and just buy them the hints. And the collectibles themselves are comic book pages, so if you're interested in the story, there's also something some value to, to get these things. Uh, but, yeah, the, the, the long story long story short these uh, collectible stuffs and the tick box stuff I, I really think that ruins uh, open world games yeah yeah totally and it's sort of I I really like the best gaming sessions you have I think Witcher 3 is actually like the best example you have because at that point 
usually it's really made for for it not to be very repetitive and you know shooting yourself in the foot because the way that they do it is like you do a side quest and that's something like kill a vampire or a werewolf or something and then it turns into this like goose chase of uh, like like a rabbit hole or something and then it like in the end you really are surprised or it's didn't at all go the way you thought it would go so in that case there's not this sort of like it wouldn't have made the game better if there was like a a billion like gold coins or something that you have to collect on every rooftop or something Hmm. Uh, it's just uh, now you know playing the witcher you just feel sort of concentrated on the game itself and you don't have to usually look anything up it's just clear what you need to do and where to do it and all of that so uh, i think also like a lot of these i think i can imagine with assassin's creed since they have like one each or at least every other year that they have to release then you just have to cram a lot of gameplay in that and mm. how do you do that well just put a pigeon or a whatever macuffin mm. somewhere on every rooftop mm. or something I think I I do hope uh, I've been listening to some some gaming podcasts and I feel like um, I don't know like I, I, it feels like it has it had something to do with the, one of the CEOs from PlayStation when he would sort of quit. Uh, he said something like, "It's unsustainable how we make games now. They're just becoming so bloody expensive because the expectations on games are getting out of control and so on." And he was, I, I felt like he was setting a seed for us to expect not less, but that things are not going to blow up more as it already is. I think Grand Theft Auto 6 is going to prove how a game worth $2 billion looks like. It's going to be insane, obviously. But even in that case, like that being an open world game, um, it's like how much content can you put on every square meter in the game and when you make an open world game it's almost like they're gonna set a new standard on what it is and i think that's just gonna be impossible for most to achieve and gamers are gonna be very spoiled after playing that the same way a lot of us was spoiled after playing uh, breath of the wild and went to Horizon. That was another conf like a thing in the industry when people play Breath of the Wild and then they played Horizon. And Horizon just felt so like old school open world because you couldn't climb anywhere you wanted and so on. So it's just like this. Uh, every time there's a new open world game, it's like they add some unique mechanic, which is awesome. But then we all it's almost as if we expect that for the next big open world game. And yeah. I, I do wonder. It's it's kind of like we we talked about this. Uh, long time ago about PR and stuff with all these algorithms and all these techniques to make sure to, to get the most out of your, the viewers. And, uh, it's almost like we reach a, we must reach a peak at some point at how much we can take in, in terms of PR or whatever, uh, and how much the algorithm can brainwash you to, to do things or to, to buy stuff and so on. And I wonder if we, I hope we are, we're going to reach some sort of peak when it comes to open worldness. And what I would love to see is that you have, instead of uh, developers chasing to become the next insane open world game, that they sort of shift direction and, and say, you know what? We can't be Grand Theft Auto. 
six. We can't be that insane. Like, look, they have. I mean, that's a two billion dollar game, or however much it costs to make. So I do hope that we will instead find see more and more games. What I, you know, I hope that my game will be uh, appreciated for being a mini open world. It's a very small game, but you know, it's all there in one small spot. And I do really hope we get more of that. We talked about that when we talked about uh, Starfield with all this bullshit fast travels crap like imagine if that that entire game was just on one planet and it was just more compact just like uh, you know you know fallout 3 or fallout vegas and so these are big ass games but in the grand scheme of things imagine that size and all of starfield in that there would be so many things to do in um you know in that area i think that would be way more fun instead of all this other things like yeah. fast travel and all that stuff so i do really hope that uh, we get we get less of this tick box crap in open world games and just more mini open world games where there's just more things to do in one spot and w- and also with that witcher stuff you talked about where when you go down this rabbit hole it's just a goose chase in another direction which you weren't expecting but you're doing it all in one area i think that's just a that sounds so cool um yeah and I hope that's what's going to happen. And I I really believe that's going to happen because I do think it's going to be unsustainable to keep making these insane open world games and fill them with stuff, which they're not because they tend to be quite empty. But it would be so much cooler if it yeah. was just smaller. And if you think about it, this is sort of a... I didn't think about this before, but this is sort of aligning with the theme a little bit that developers are shooting themselves in the foot Oh, yeah. making and promising like more and more and then eventually you get the I guess it's called the law of diminishing returns that eventually it's not that cool with doing like uh, this big of a world I think sort of No Man's Sky set the bar for that that alright here you have it it's mm. so fucking big that nobody will ever will be able to explore all of it ever Mm. basically so you know uh, it, uh, it the size in and of itself is not impressive anymore mm. and i think also as i said before with space games i think doing like an open world space game is like taking the least interesting aspect of space and making that the main point like the emptiness of space mm. you know that's not fun to play and so you're either going to have like just gliding around forever in emptiness which is there's nothing to do or you're just gonna have cutscenes and like loading screens and stuff in between so then why have this big open space anyhow so like like you said i think like having a giant space station for example like the size of a real city or something like that that would be much cooler than Mm. having like you know, if you have two embassies on two different planets, why have them on two different planets? Because mm. on each planet, it's just this small, small, super tiny spot on that planet. The rest of the planet is just waste. Mm. Nothing gets used, mm. basically. Yeah, and uh, I was just thinking, uh, like, the only positive thing I could see from the Starfield ex- argument I did before is that from a, in a distance, you can see different mountains let's say because that would sort of impact your like where you are i suppose so 
So that's sort of like an argument I would do against myself. Like I said, I want them all in one smaller spot. Uh, but at the same time, you could... Ah, fuck, I don't know. I, I can see that point that you go to a different planet and it should feel different. But I still believe that you can make it feel different just by entering a different area. I think actually... Uh, Elden Ring is a perfect example of this where you run to a different area and it feels so different and that area is sort of hidden behind mountains and so on I of course I do think that Elden Ring is too big as well uh, of a game uh, but that's just because I I prefer they didn't go open world but anyway you could still uh, make we could still make this Starfield game where it's layers even like you go down the sewers and there's like a I don't know a city there or this other side of the map have different environments so you can still make it and i think that's now that i think about it that's sort of how they have made the previous games like uh, morrowind the southern parts of morrowind is way different from the north and so on so you could do that make it feel like you're on a different not necessarily a different planet but a different well it could be like a different planet but still on something yeah. I guess. so yeah i, I do think uh that's true. And when you said uh, developers over-promising things, that brings uh, brings to mind is uh, Lionhead Studios with this Peter Moore, was his name maybe? Uh, the black and white, the god game. Yeah. When they did Fable, and he was like, oh, you can cut down a tree and watch it grow. And then that never happened in the actual game. But uh, <laughs> speaking of over-promising, man, like uh, my demo for Sunset Moon, which I had hoped was going to be done before Christmas or right before Christmas it's still not done and I think I need another month man it is just it never ends and this is just a small like a mini open world but it's just I'm trying to do this thing where I just pack it with content and like even though it takes place on this small island you have a totally different experience than someone else based on your sex and uh, class and so on and the things you do man Mm. it's just but a part of me feel like that, that when you have the systems in place, it, it just works. And then yeah. I think you talked about it, this uh, short hike, or was it Yaha? Uh, uh, I think I have mentioned it on the podcast. Yeah, so the developers, it's a small game, and he said it was so easy to bug test the game because it was just like these are the places you can go to, and that's it. With I don't know what uh, exactly what he meant, but I can imagine now that I'm sort of, <laughs> bug testing the area where my demo takes place it's so easy because it's yeah. just like this small area and i run around with the character and i see ah this looks a bit daft like you're overstepping some boundaries that it looks like you're floating in the water yeah. or something so then i just drag down the box collider so it doesn't go that far so once it's done for example in the demo it takes place in the spring but that will be the same thing for every season so it, it's just like it makes it so much easier when it's a mini open world in terms of finding these bugs and all that stuff. But then on the other hand, making it a mini open world game with all these functions, those functions is all, can also cause a lot of errors. So, you know, that, that would be a lot of bug fixing there, I suppose. But that's the kind of stuff I'm doing now. And I think that's why it takes so long to get this demo out because it's literally finalizing the game in many ways by testing and all these uh, functions. Yeah. But that was just uh, a thought I had uh, when developers overpromising things. I thought about myself there. But I do also wanted to touch on trophies in mm. terms of shooting yourself in the foot when you play games. 
And this is something I did a lot before. Uh, I think I mentioned it, but uh, Uncharted, those games, I am so sick of that type of game now because I I literally played the Uncharted 1, 2, 3 back to back to get the platinum trophies in every game. And it was just like, first I played it on normal mode to have the experience, and then I went to hard mode to get the hard trophy, and then the extreme mode because you had to play it on hard mode in order to unlock the extreme mode. So every game I played three times back to back to back. So that's three games, three times each. That's nine times just to get a, a fucking platinum trophy that is stuck on my PlayStation account, which I don't even know how to log into anymore. But yeah, that that totally ruined those types of games for me as well. So it, it is uh, it's insane. Like uh, open world games ruined me because of these tick boxes, uh, and then. These adventure games ruined me because of trophies. Do you have any similar uh, trophy example or something else that have ruined a game for you or a genre, maybe? Yeah, uh, that sort of reminds me about uh, something that uh, Gabe Newell said in, I think it was the documentary about the 25th anniversary of Half-Life. And then he said something like, uh, realism uh, is, isn't important. What's important in games is fun. Mm. So it doesn't matter if it's realistic or not. If you're not having fun, then there's no point to it. And that's sort of like when you said, like replaying Uncharted nine times, mm. uh, doesn't feel like very much fun. So I'm thinking like, it's sort of stupid to have it that you have to un- play it on hard mode to unlock the hardest mode. Mm. Because in that case, that sort of encourages you to replay it a lot, lot of times, you know, at least two. So then there should be something in the game that makes it fun to replay it. Like something is going to be different or it's going to be randomized this or it's going to be, you know, something to that effect. But if it's just the exact same and those are very linear games... So if it's just the exact same, then sort of you're, as the developer, you're shooting yourself in the foot for mm. making it less fun. And then as the as playing it, uh, then you're shooting yourself in the foot because you'll make your, yourself stu- sick of it. Mm. So it's a sort of a weird situation. I do wonder, though, if we are preaching to the choir. I don't know what that means. I just wanted to say it. Does that mean when you're... well? Yeah, do you know what you're I mean? saying? Something that like somebody will totally agree with you on whatever you're saying. So, like you're trying to convince uh, someone, like you're trying to preach Christianity to the guys who are already volunteering for the church choir. So okay. there's no reason to like, hey, by the way, God exists, and then you know you're already. Mm. There's well, nothing then that's, to convince. That's not what I'm trying to say then. Then I'm going to say I feel we're talking <laughs> to a rock or something. Like the complete opposite. Because I do wonder <laughs> though, like when we the, the way we talk about this, I really feel like it's some sort of OCD programming, very yeah. weird way of thinking. Because I, I imagine that most people who play Uncharted don't platinum it. I would imagine that most of the people just play it one time and they have a hell of a time and then they move on. So now we want the developers to make sure it's more fun for us trophy hunters when we play it on hard mode and expert mode 
apart from it's being more difficult. So I, from that perspective, maybe the developers aren't shooting themselves in the foot because they know most people are not going to sit like an idiot playing the game three <laughs> times back to back. So yeah. maybe, I don't know. I guess like something you could do to make it less like to trigger people like us, I suppose, that just want to have it completed is to not emphasize the incompleteness of the game, I guess. Hmm. So something that developers do sometimes, it's on the save file, for example, they will list how many percentages complete everything is, like in achievements and stuff. Hmm. Or they will like uh, like have all of the the trophies visible. So hmm. I guess like if you would really want to have like only the guys who or gals who want to really complete be a completionist and uh, complete everything, then you would have like almost all of it hidden trophies. Hmm. So if you're really interested, you can look it up and just go do all of it. But hmm. then if you just want to enjoy it and then you could just and not have the the percentage on the save file so then you could you know just enjoy it and then see for yourself if there's stuff to explore or not and not put a number on it because then you you don't want to quit playing it because it feels incomplete sort of mm. yeah i i agree uh, what i did with uh, knife boy uh, and red colony games i believe was that uh, i would I mean, I did so simple trophies in the Red Colony games, but in Knife Boy, a little bit more complex. But I made sure they would pop when you were at 80% of all the collectibles. You got the the gold trophy for that. And 80% of all the boss fights, you got that trophy as well. And to me, I felt the the way I reasoned regarding that was that uh, if you're just there for the trophies, then here you go. Take them and leave. But if you get hooked by the game or the story or the the yeah. world I, that I built, then you would probably stick around and try to 100% everything. Uh, and in terms of... Uh, yeah, it was uh, Knife Boy, I believe. If you take 100% of everything and then you return to the bar you will have so there's a bar in the game where these people are playing so every night there's a different musician or i think there are three or four rotating but if you return to that bar when you have 100 percent of everything uh they all would be there there's nothing special to it it's just that's it but i did have a plan to have this uh zeppelin coming to the the town and then you can get inside it and then uh, it would be i even made a whole room for it so it was kind of like a bonus room just to show off that you have yeah. done 100% of the game. And then I will, I made this billboard where it said, like, take a screenshot and share, something like that. Uh, mm. I ended up not having that in the game. But uh, I worked on it to make sure that people who really stick around to 100% the game, even though they have the troph- all the trophies slash achievements, they would get some sort of re- reward. And I think that's a good way of doing it because then you, yeah, like I said, if if people are just there for their trophies, then they can get them a bit early and leave. And then people who really like enjoying the game, they will stick around and try to use 100% because they want to. It's kind of like how when you play a Nintendo game, I think that's the beauty of Nintendo not using trophies, is that uh, they they sort of trust their games are so good and addicting in a way that they 
they're basically saying we don't need trophies you're gonna try to find them anyway which is true cool. but now that i play with uh, my son pikmin for example uh, it's just like there's just so much things to collect and it's a bit uh I mean, my son doesn't get it when I'm like, oh, no, wait, 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 we have to find fucking this thing. Uh, we can't go on to the next level. I need to find this, and I want 100% everything before we move on. But So that kind of helped, yeah. actually, to play with him, because then I sort of like, well, let's just go through it, and, you know, he screw up everything, and he die, and all that. Yeah. So it ruins the statistics for me, but, you know, you learn <laughs> to live with that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, interesting. Well, it's um, sort of... I didn't know that uh, the Switch didn't have achievements, actually. Nope. They seem to refuse to. Nice. It's. Uh, I, I really like that. It sort of feels relaxing that sort of it's... I also want it so, to sort of be a bit mystical, if possible. Like, you don't want everything laid out for you. Like, there are so this many achievements or whatever. You want rather, in my case, for example, you want something where you can just explore and do whatever. And then when you feel it's enough, then it's enough. It doesn't have to be a number on it. Mm. You know, and it would be fun also to have like if you make a game especially an open world game that you make a lot of stuff in it but you sort of don't define all of it so people will just have to find it themselves and then like decide for themselves if they have to do that thing or not hmm. feels like there will be like a f- really fresh approach to it I yeah. suppose yeah I think, uh, I think yeah, oh, yeah. sorry uh, yeah, I think the only exception to this rule that a lot of achievements, a lot of like meaningless stuff is uh, bad is Resident Evil 5, for me at least. So I played that with my brother probably hundreds of times. Mm. And it's sort of, it's a very short game if you think about it. Mm. Because uh, one of the achievements is to reach the end of the game by under five hours. So it's sort of short that way. And then you unlock the the rocket launcher, which Mm. makes it even shorter. But that sort of somehow it's really fun to replay them because you get to a level where you know, like every level, you know exactly where every enemy is coming from, when they're coming and Mm. so on. So you could almost play it blindfolded, it feels like. Mm. Um, So I don't know why that's so fun. I guess it's the collaboration, I suppose, also Mm. that it's multiplayer. It's so funny you bring up Resident Evil 5. That's one of those uh, trophy horror games I played. And <laughs> we, I played it in the in our summer house. We had no internet. And I, you know, one of the trophies is to, uh, to collect a lot of money. I don't know if you had to buy something. But I remember one of the levels, uh, one of the levels are where you can collect a lot of rubes or, yeah. Do you remember? Was it yeah. cash or yeah, whatever? You kill enemies and you break boxes and you get these loot. And one of the tropes. I'm thinking like one of the uh, you know the the level with it's a sort of a cavern and you move a lot of like mirrors and stuff in Jan Jones style to unlock doors and stuff. Maybe that was it. My memory tells me it felt more like a tomb, like a Egyptian tomb ish. Yeah, place. I, I think that sort of vibe. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I play that over and over again, and I played other levels first, and I was so, like, because I didn't make enough money, and I realized this is going to take forever to get this trophy, 
and then my brother's friend who I never met before came to the summer house and this is before I, I guess smartphones were a thing I, I can't remember yeah. but I did not have one and I did not I was not connected and I was like uh, uh, his name is Oscar so I was like hi Oscar can I borrow your phone and check something online and then he had a phone where it's not a touchscreen phone so I typed it in. Oh, like one of those uh, keyboard. Uh... Oh, no, it was like one, two, three, four, five, six, nine. That kind of phone. Oh, so like you press the T9. two times. Yeah. yeah. Just press a couple of times and then it pops up. And then I oh was my God. sitting that there. Was back in the day. Yeah, yeah. And this is even like. Uh, and I, I mean, I feel like Resident Evil 5 is not that old, but it could have been. I mean, we didn't have internet in the summer house period. And this guy, he's like a helicopter guy living in a mountain somewhere. So maybe people had smartphones, but he didn't have one either. So the, my point is that he had that kind of phone and he had connection to it, but you had to pay per minute. And he's like, yeah, here you go. And I'm sitting there like desperately trying to figure out which level in Resident Evil 5 can you make most money in. And then I Google it on this yeah. little, his phone. And then I found out that level I tried to describe earlier, which felt like a tomb. And then I was just playing this game over and over and over again. And this guy, this helicopter pilot, who was not so much into gaming, he thought I was like, you're sick in your head. You're just playing this shit over, like, hour after hour. And I'm like, I'm trying to get a trophy. And then that night, I finally got the trophy. And then, uh, well, we were a bunch of lads there drinking and playing games. And then I would be like, everyone, look, 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 look. And then the trophy pop and we're all like sharing and sh- you know drinking and like oh, yeah, nice. yeah. so it was like uh, i said earlier these trophies are completely useless but all of that work i put into that trophy was worth it and then we also played yes. uh, i am iron man that song i am iron man <laughs> so but instead i was singing i am plotty man and then we were all yeah plotty man Plot like just being silly. Nice. But that was good fun. Plotin. Oh, that's what they call me, Plotiman. Platiman. <laughs> cool. Very yeah. nice. What a story. Uh, it's just I like that when you sort of do something with it, other than just you have the tick box and that's it. Mm. We you even know, made I've, a music uh, video about it, but it's stuck oh on my, my brother's Facebook, which he quit using ages ago. So it's just somewhere there, or on one of his computers. It's gone, but. We did even make a, pl- uh, a music video for I am Plotimon. So that was good fun. Shit. <laughs> we have to find it. <laughs> that would be fun. Cool. Very nice. Um, I guess it, it sort of reminds me about, um, I mentioned RuneScape uh, previously, but uh, there you also have these sort of skills where you have, like you start at level one for most of those skills and then you can go all the way until 99. But basically the way it works, and I don't remember, I don't think it doubles the amount of XP you need for each level, but it increases like exponentially. So like when you reached 92, then to get to 99, you have to get as much as it took you to get to 92. Uh, to get to the max level mm. so uh, a lot of work and i've never done it myself so but anyway so i've seen a lot a lot in, on reddit and uh, 
YouTube and stuff that people have like 99 parties where they reach level 99 in some skills ah. and then you know they do the final click or whatever to, mm. to get the final like 2 XP mm. um, which is kind of fun so uh, I guess that's a good antidote for these achievements to mm. sort of associate it with something actually fun mm. yeah I have another one I think I mentioned before I lived in Belgium with my brother when he was studying game something and he, yeah. um, and then I got uh, 10,000 kills in res- res- Resistance 2 online on PlayStation 3. And I, I do not play cool. online games, period. I don't like it. But I did, <laughs> you know, work on this trophy like two hours every day. And then eventually I got 10,000 kills and popped the trophy. And of course, uh, my brother used being silly. Yeah, now we have to celebrate. So we went out and bought beer and pizza and celebrating nice. Platinum Man. Man. So yeah, it is fun to do those <laughs> things uh, around it, but it totally <laughs> like talking about shooting yourself in the foot. It totally ruin ruins the game experience in so many ways, other than you know the silly stuff you can yeah. do on the side, I suppose. Yeah, uh, it sort of reminds me also about another story. So you have at least the one half hour game. I'll put it on screen. Uh, at this moment and in the description, whichever one it is. Because I think that was released for the PlayStation 2 only, but people ported it to PC somehow. Anyhow, so I played it with a friend of mine, and we were both like massive Half-Life fans. And it's uh, it's a great game, and uh, you know, you play through it, it's uh, multiplayer, and then you get to the end. Uh, but then at the end of it, you have a bonus level, I think, or some achievement or something, because it's from like 98 or, you know, 2001 or something. So it's, uh, there's no like real achievements, but there's some like bonus content at the end to release. So then you have to go back to like a third in of the game. And then you have to like, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was something like you have to kill some enemy before it kills some guy, or you have to whatever, because it's we failed like we I think we did this for maybe four hours or something. Just this one thing just to try to get it, you know, and that included like starting the level over and over again, mm. jumping past these exact enemies and you know, you got it it sort of in muscle memory to do this one level just because of this thing. Mm. Uh, but uh, something, that, uh, sort of a theme that I think has been running through this is sort of that when you do shoot yourself in the foot and something becomes so boring and monotonous and you never want to play it again, that's usually when you do it alone and you uh, sit by yourself and then all you get is just a ding mm. and that's it. Mm. But in these moments when you when it's been really fun has been with people so if you sort of have people to do it with then it's not it doesn't become a problem mm. for me at least mm. uh, so that that's the way it was with that half-life game that it was uh, incredibly fun even during doing it so uh, yeah i guess maybe if you if you can do multiplayer in your game do that and so you can do the things together mm, mm. yeah i thought about uh again with resident evil 5 
uh, there's a troll in the game. Uh, he smashed your car. Do you remember that part? Oh yeah, the you stand in the like turret and yeah, and there's quick you know, time events, and I am just so oh, yeah. bad at quick time events. Oh, I fucking it, hate them. Yeah, and if you play the game on expert mode, they are, you even have less time to think, and I could not get past yeah. that fucking point. And then uh, I was laughing while you were talking because when I talked about Plotiman, my friend who who really suck at games, uh, he's really good at games. Sorry, but he. He came over, but he never chased trophies, so he had no platinum trophies. So he, so I would sit there and say, right. "I am platinum man," and him like, and he's like, "I'm the silver <laughs> boy," because he used to go for the silver trophies or whatever. But anyway, he then helped me get past that troll, uh, right. and I was just thinking now when you're talking, like, man, I I was just so excited to get past that point just so I could get my my bloody platinum trophy. But, but I didn't even yeah. do it myself. I was like, can you please help me? Because I'm so bad at quick time events. And then he did it for me to get past that uh, uh, that troll. But yeah, uh, it just came to mind when you talked about like making it making it fun like with someone else. Yeah. Uh, make it turn it into something. That that's obviously fun stuff. And now that we're talking about it, you know, these are good good memories. It makes me smile. So I guess there is some point yeah. to all this crap, but uh, it yeah, at the same time, absolutely. it really screwed me over in terms of uh, the types of games I played. But hey, maybe that's why I ended up playing Soulsborne games, because I sort of burned myself out on all these other genres because of this trophy hunting crap. But... <clears throat> Just one more thing, like uh, speaking of trophies and uh, in Bloodborne, I, I platinum Bloodborne, but that was just an absolute delight the entire game, except the challenge dungeons, which are uh, auto-generated dungeons. But in hindsight, right. I also look at that as an experience because I was going to have auto-generated levels in Sunset Moon when you enter, there's a castle in the background and it, that's for collecting resources and stuff like that. And I yeah. have uh, come to realize that I don't want that. I don't want to have auto generated levels there because I I don't see the point in it. I like what's the purpose? And th- the whole point to enter that tower anyway is just to to collect and find resources. And in my opinion, yeah. after playing uh, Stardew Valley uh, some years ago, this was the le- my least favorite part because there was also enemies in it. So it was just like auto generated levels and enemies, and I think this was the weakest part of the entire game. So I'm not gonna do that in my game. So you know, yeah. something came out of it. But otherwise, Bloodborne Platinum Trophy, very proud of it, and it was a true delight the entire game. Cool. It's uh, something that I just thought about with uh, when we talked about space games back in. The, in previously in the episode i thought about like the making a space game that is so fucking big but you have to fast travel everywhere anyhow Mm. it's like making a game where you like have to go and talk to the receptionist for each floor which is right outside the elevator and then it doesn't matter how big you make the entire building Mm. because you're and you're just going to go up and down the elevator anyhow and just go to the first room and then go to the next one. If mm. you make the, you know, it's, it's so stupid yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. It's, uh, and I, I guess I, uh, I can, uh, I probably ranted about this before, but 
it's surprising to me what people are asking for in terms of games. Like with all of these space games, I remember people said about No Man's Skies, like, oh, you can do anything. Mm. And there's this clip that I've, I think I've showed before that there's this one journalist that said, what do you mean you can do anything? Like you can go over here, shoot things, and then bring things over here, and then press E, and that's you know eight possibilities, mm. not infinite. Mm. And uh, it feels a lot like I don't understand what people are asking for with these type types of things mm. that you know they're they're just <laughs> they want to go around in the vacuum or whatever, mm. or they want to. I, I, don't get it like what you you want to do basically in that those situations because uh, i designed this uh, rpg game which i hope to make one day and one part of the story it would be uh low tides you know when the water go down yeah. so the idea was that this you're on this boat and it, it sort of crash and then you're stuck there and there's some character building while you're waiting for the low tides to to come and then you can cross from this little island into mainland and that i was exp- i was sort of uh, imagining i mean when i designed like wrote this game i was imagining it it was like back in uncharted one days so i was thinking that sort of third person and all that stuff uh, and also having the camera on rails when when you're not in control over it it sort of pans its own way to sort of give you a more cinematic view and so on and i was then thinking that you use running over this uh uh, sand because the, the the tides are down or the water is down so you can cross right and it's just sand dunes so you run and run and run and yeah. this whole thing would take maybe 10 minutes or something and you don't do much but in my opinion uh, my idea was and still is that it would still add like a a unique or it would add something because you're doing this mundane and boring thing for so long but while you're doing it you're obviously the, the characters are talking back and forth and because this only happens one time in the game it becomes uh, a unique thing and something mean, meaningful and obviously beautiful starry yeah. sky and the moon and the sh- uh, water reflection all that stuff so it becomes this beautiful moment and now that you talked about space like obviously when you just go into space like in no man's sky or whatever it's just if the whole game is that that's just that's just boring and that made me think about uh there's one part of uh, final fantasy 8 which is uh you go up in space to this alien ship the alien ship part itself is awful uh, i have bad memories from that and i think it's because i didn't quite i mean i didn't understand english back then so i had to sort of figure out what to do uh, and i if memory serves you have to kill the enemy the aliens on, on board that are the same colors so you have to kill the red one and the red one and then they they die but if you kill a red one and a green one they all revive or something if memory serves but the point is mm. i was on stuck on that ship forever but eventually you make it to the next part and that's when your girlfriend is sort of being sucked out in 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 space and you have this little spacesuit on uh, and it's kind of first person view while you're doing this which is weird and then uh, the first time in a final fantasy game where they have vocals like actual someone singing and then you use the r l1 and r1 button to sort of navigate towards her and eventually you get to her but that moment when you're trying to get her uh, that was a very impactful and beautiful moment because you're trying to save your love and it's out in space. There's nothing there. Like you said, it's just in, in grand scheme of things, it's super boring because you're just floating through space. 
But because this only happened one time in the game, and obviously later on in the game, so there's this build-up in terms of the relationship between Squad and Rhino. I, I can't remember her name. I always renamed them to my own names, and whoever girl I was into was the girl. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so that was a cool moment in space. But overall, I agree with you. But I think you can turn it into something interesting if it only happens, you know, once in in the entire game. Yeah. Speaking of Final Fantasy, that also reminds me of the end of Final Fantasy three when I recently played through that Ooh. or tried to at least. I gave up on the end and then just YouTubed it. But that's also a sort of a way which if I can connect it to Witcher 3 actually that sort of uh, like if you do a point of no return then like if you do that incorrectly then that's gonna be bad for everyone basically so in Final Fantasy 3 I got to a situation where like when you fight the final boss you have to first go through like imagine there that there's a ring like a, a a wall around the fortress and then to get through that wall you have to go through like three dungeons uh to get to the courtyard of the castle mm. and all the way there you don't have anything to heal you you have to buy potions or something and then you you can't get replenished mana so you have only like a certain amount of like uh, magic that you can use which is sort of essential for fighting in the first place mm. and then you get to the courtyard and there you can save but the, again there's no replenishment of uh, mana at least and unless you use magic then there's no replenishment of health either and then you have to go into the castle which is like maybe five dungeons or something mm. or even more even and then i remember in that castle there's like seven bosses or something in a row mm. and then you can do what i did which is just go and kill one of them and then go back all the way back uh, outside the wall uh, and then heal and stuff and then go all the way back and do the next one and so on mm. uh, for all of them and then when you have the last boss so i try to do this and uh mm. You know, I failed on, like, I played so much and I failed on, like, the last, like, it was not, maybe he had, uh, like, a 10% health mm. left or something. And then I just Googled online to see how hard is this to beat. And then, you know, I realized, like, oh, maybe, like, four hours ago I should have switched classes on these guys and oh. then leveled up their classes, blah, blah, blah. So then you're at the point where you have to just basically go away from the, the final fight where I have, like, if I would have, like, the right skills, it would just be a 10-minute thing. Hmm. But now it's just going to be grinding for five hours hmm. and then go back and then maybe it's going to work. Uh, which is, uh, you know, it sort of makes it an impossible situation where it's not going to be fun to mm. do that. Mm. And uh, to connect it to Witcher 3, actually, when I I had that situation with Gwent uh, the first time I played it, so then I didn't do the Gwent stuff at all, and then all of a sudden there's this quest where I have to win in Gwent, no. and then I couldn't progress, so then I have just shot myself in the foot because I didn't learn 
this tutorial and then I haven't collected any cards along the way, so my deck is shit. Mm. So then I just had to restart all thing. And now actually the reason I haven't played through the second DLC is which is the last thing I have left is because there's a Gwent mission and then I think there's some like unique sword or something you can win mm. if you win all of the matches but you progress even if you win or fail but I really like don't want to progress without winning everything basically mm. so now I just uh, I'm stuck on there and I don't know how to proceed and win mm. basically mm. so I think creating some sort of like a point of no return where it's really it takes a lot of work to just get past that uh, it's not a good strategy for for fun, I suppose. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, w- regarding this uh, card game you talked about in The Witcher. So I'm trying to, will try to make a card game in Sunset Moon. And I was just thinking about how can I make sure that doesn't happen in Sunset Moon. But I sort of come back to this idea that Sunset Moon is a mini open world, which makes it... Uh, so, so the idea in my case is that I want th- there w- there shall be some uh, side quests stuck behind that kind of card game thing. Uh, I want to have this. Uh, there's a geek living on the island, like a nerd, and hang out with another nerd, and they want to have this uh, card tournament, and then you have to win that in order to proceed in that storyline. Uh, but I, a part of me feels like. Um, even if uh, if you don't like the card game, uh, uh, well, I, I was thinking like maybe it doesn't matter because you have uh, everything is just in this small spot. So if you can't beat this quest now, you can do it later because it's just it's just you know fifty meters in game from your home. So yeah. Uh, but then when you talk about it, so the only problem I see here is that if if people don't like the card game at all, there should maybe be some sort of a uh, like you can do it in another way, sort of. Like you can get past yeah. that some, uh, in another way. And I was just thinking now, like, well, I have this function in the game where you give these care packs to people to make them like you more. So maybe that could be a solution. Like you either win mm. him or win over him in this card game, or you give him a care pack, and that thus you don't have to learn the card system and all that stuff. Yeah. So those are also w- ways you could avoid those things. But that sounds uh, annoying to get stuck behind that in in The Witcher. Especially that deep into yeah. the game. Well, I think uh, something that uh, for me, uh, like uh, card games, is nothing I'm looking for. But uh, you know, it's uh, decent fun when you do play it. But I think what sort of became the problem for me is that the first time I ran into the card thing, I thought, ah, oh, card games, fuck this, and then I just uh, you know skipped through all the tutorials and then just uh, forfeited the, the tutorial match and then went on my way. Mm. But so then when I, uh, because I thought it was going to be like something like bowling in Grand Theft Auto or something, like, sure, you can do it, but it really doesn't matter if you can do it or not. Mm. But apparently it is sort of important. So when I then got to that game that I had to win to proceed in the quest, then the tutorial was over, so I had no idea how to play it. So then, you know, first you select a, a leader card, and I thought, okay, what does this do? Mm. No idea. Mm. Show something. And then you choose, like, which cards, and I thought, no idea what this does. Mm. 
and then uh, you know you get to the game and then you know there's a bunch of cards that's on the board and no idea what the numbers do you just click on something mm. and then all of a sudden you lost and you have no idea mm. what was i supposed to do where how do you even win this so i think if it would be something like if the game would look at okay you haven't won a game ever mm. then maybe the tutorial should be easily accessible. Mm. Like when you select a start card or something, you should say something like, you select this because of this, and this is something, this is what you want to to achieve Mm. by doing this. And then the same with like uh, these points, you want to have more like total uh, points than them Mm. per round. Yeah, and also, as you said, uh, if that tutorial pop up, later on in the game you will actually be aware of what they're talking about because you have seen these numbers and all that stuff you just didn't understand them that's a that's a good point because i would say that uh, in terms of gwent uh, that was a game i didn't understand at all when i first played but uh, i just knew i would like it because i always liked these card games uh, and that but i do remember playing uh, final fantasy 9 i did not understand at all because they added first of all you could defeat cards diagonally and also they had elements and I did not understand that, you know, this is ages ago. And obviously there was probably a tutorial which I didn't understand either because it was in English. But Final Fantasy VIII was very, com- it was easy because you could only attack in four directions. And uh, right. the, it was so un- easy to understand that my number has to be higher than that number. And there were no elements involved or anything. So that's the kind of system I want in Sunset Moon. So you will, it should be very easy yeah. to understand. The only... Uh, problem with that that you can only fight in four directions and the there are no elements involved is that the, it's less strategy but at the same time in my opinion like in terms of sunset moon that that's not like the game is not about playing this card game it's just it's just it should just be an uh yeah, yeah like i said a mini open world game it's a small world with a lot of things to do so if you're into this it's there for you uh, but I do still, I have like made my script. So far, it does have an element to it. So, uh, but I do think that's a quite simple thing to explain as well. Like, uh, re- fire, if you have fire, it will, you will just add more damage to it. Like, it, I, would ma- I would make sure it's easy yeah. to understand. So, there's a, adds a little bit more depth to it. Uh, but yeah. I do. I see we're almost one hour in, but I do wanted to touch on one more shooting yourself in the foot, which is uh, the biggest one for me. Um, we don't need to go in depth because we're out of time. Uh, but one thing I've noticed, uh, starting developing games, I have stopped playing games. And that's, uh, mm. that's a big one. Like, I did not expect this to happen. I barely play games nowadays. Uh but is it because of time or it's like no longer fun because you see how, how the sauce is made? Uh, basically. Well, now that I have a family, it's uh, a little bit because of the time thingy. Uh, but even though, yeah. you know, my son goes to bed, well, eight-ish, so in 10 minutes. And then yeah. by the time he's asleep, it's four nine. So I have two hours me time. But even that, I... Nah, I I don't feel like it. I just don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. I want to do something yeah. else when I'm when I'm not uh, working. 
So I that's yeah. that's really weird that I just don't enjoy playing games anymore. Uh, I did get into I bought the uh, Black Mesa, Black Messiah, the one you told me. Oh, Black Mesa. Yeah, so I started Black playing Mesa. on the Steam yeah. Deck, but it didn't run well there at all. Uh, it felt mm. weird to play first person there. Uh, so I'm gonna play that on on my s- desktop later. Cool. But I also bought Blasphemous Two, which is a side-scrolling pixel art, beautiful, quite difficult. It was it's so good, and that one I d- hooked me for about two weeks. Uh, I'm towards yeah. the end of that game, but I I don't know. I, I lost. Uh, that's a quite typical thing nowadays too for me that I I make it towards the end and then I just like nah I I, I don't. Mm. I, I can't bother that anymore, but uh, that one is really good and it's beautiful. So, yeah. so I am happy that sometimes games hook me to the point where I want to play them. Uh, in terms of Half Life, I just don't know because my office is in the same room as my where my sons live. We live in such a small place now, so I, there's just no way for me to play games on the PC. But I do expect to play it when I get back to Sweden cool and i think also i've had a um um i think maybe like when i started making games the sort of the same thing happened to me as well and it's been only recently that i've uh, started with it again uh, and i think uh, something for me is like you need time not only maybe two hours but something like you where you feel like you can just get into a game mm. and there's nothing that's gonna be like oh i have to quit any moment now so then you want something like where it's just you know all the time you need mm. uh, sort of yeah yeah that's one thing i do not have uh but i do think that i might like one another thing i'm considering when we move back to sweden is to buy a tv and a, a playstation 5 like uh, nice. we have nothing here, uh, but that's because we temporarily living here. But in Sweden, we we're gonna try to settle down a little bit for at least you know a cool. couple of years, so it might be worth getting a TV and a PlayStation. And then I do think uh, that I might go back into those sort of story-driven, uncharted types of games again because those are quite short and they are quite easy as well nowadays. Especially like AAA Hollywood blockbuster games, they're se- they're so simple nowadays in terms of difficulty yeah which is a good thing because if you don't have all the time in the world uh you can't like you said with elden ring for example the the hardest part about that game is that i never had time to play it and every time i picked it up it felt like i had no clue how to play it because it's a difficult game which sort of is against all the things i said about me loving difficult games but i do realize now that it there's a point why uh there's a reason why I can't really play them anymore and that's because I never had the time to get into it so I do I predict that I will fall back into easier games when I get back to Sweden maybe more story driven stuff that is uh, easy to play right. and that's uh, another thing I play games with my, my son once in a while so uh, but you know Pikmin uh, I bought the new Super Mario Wonders but that was way too difficult for him so that was a uh, what do you call it? a thud like we can't play that he, he could yeah. he, Six, like the first level of the game he could do but otherwise too complicated too many buttons involved but uh, Pikmin it was easy because he just pressing one button and shooting stuff but then I'm having a good time right. because it's fun to play for me but uh, not so much for him yeah. uh, Super Mario Kart is another great one I've mentioned before so I do play a little bit of games but in the grand scheme of things I do not and I think that's because I'm developing games now and that's a bummer 
Yeah. But one day we'll uh, we'll get you there. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. All right. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I think um, since we're a little bit over an hour, let's uh, start wrapping up the episode. Um, anything more to add, Rune? Uh, no, I am uh, satisfied. I have shot myself enough in the foot today, so I'm, I'm all good. <laughs> good, good. Glad to hear it. Uh, yeah, thank you again for being my amazing co-host. Glad to have you back. Uh, and uh, if you have uh, anything uh, to add, uh, dear listeners, uh, please send in a voicemail or uh, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> I'm not giving up. Uh, or comments or uh, what else. Um, read the description if you want to know uh, what games we're talking about. And um, yeah, thanks that think that's it. Uh, one question, Otto. If you do get yeah. a voice message, how nervous will you be one to ten? Like, if you tell me one day that we have a voice message, I'm gonna shit my pants. <laughs> uh, not, I don't think I'm gonna be nervous, but I'm gonna be excited about it. I hope it's something like crazy uh, <laughs> that we have to censor off the show or something. Uh, but but it would be really fun to, you know, play it for the first time mm. together and then just listen to whatever the hell it is. Mm, it's just a threat. Someone's gonna kill us. for insulting uh, Starfield or something yeah yeah well I hope it's uh, coming someday at least it will one day one day yeah alright thank you so much everyone for listening and watching and uh, yeah see you next week bye 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 bye